Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. do invite you to remain standing in body or in spirit for the reading of God's Word, which as we continue in this uh, sermon series on the Beatitudes, uh, hopefully uh, for some of you, you've been here week after week and you've heard these uh, words uh, again and again, and they become part of our story and part of our song. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray for your wisdom and insight. And, Lord, we also pray that we would be able to give our attention to you. Lord, you have our attention. Jesus, you have our attention. Spirit, you have our attention. Amen. This week we're talking about blessed are the, the pure. And, and, and just that kind of feels like, you know what, I imagine there are a few of you who are like, well, I'm out. If, it, if it's blessed are the pure, then that's not me, right? I can look back at my story and, and pure is not how I would define my life. I have messed up again and again and again. And if it means that I have to be pure in order to be good enough or worthy enough, then I have already failed to achieve it, right? I mean, we feel this way sometimes in the church that we are not enough, that we have not met the mark, that we have not risen above it, right? Um, What we say, what we do, how we live, how we think, that that purity feels like an impossible standing, right? I mean, I've seen the shirt, right, that that maybe you have, or maybe you've seen these signs. It says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, right? That blessed are the pure, Is that even possible to be pure? What does that mean? And probably at some point in time, we felt we are not pure enough for something or in some way. And and we get this idea that purity seems to be perfection and that perfection is just plain and simple impossible for us to meet. That there is a standing that Jesus said, in order to, to see God, you've got to jump over this bar and this bar is impossible to clear. And is this what Jesus was trying to do, is to say that you guys are all not good enough, that you are worthless because of something that happened or something that is or, or something that will be, you're never able to accomplish this and thus you will never be able to see God? Or was Jesus doing something else? And I think it is really important that whenever we read the word of God that we try to understand what it would have been like for the original people who were hearing and receiving this word in their world so we can better understand it in our world. And so I want to take you back a couple thousand years to the world around Jesus. Now, in those days, the religious people that had it all together 
were these zealots of the faith. They were deeply committed. There was a group called the, the Sadducees, and there was also a group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, I want to focus on a little bit, they were people who were, in particular, decided that we know how to live a pure life, which is to follow the loss all the time in every way. And it is possible that you can follow the laws. And so in Jewish times and with Jewish people, there was really kind of three big areas of law. There were the, the Ten Commandments. Um, does it, can anybody name all Ten Commandments? Uh, uh, you know, now you're going through your head. You're like, okay, I probably should know this at some point in time. Uh, the only reason I know the Ten Commandments is because I went to a concert one time with Mercy Me. They sing I Can Only Imagine, sing a bunch of other songs too. But they, they, they sang this song about the Ten Commandments they had written for a children's series. And it's, uh, so I just always have to hum, sing the song in my head. Have no other gods but gods. To worship idols just won't do. Be careful with the way you use God's name. Keep Sunday special too. Honor your parents, don't take any lives. And when you're old enough to marry, be true. Do not steal or lie or want those things that don't belong to you. These are ten simple rules God made for me and you. It rhymes, too. He was really proud of himself um, for that way. So, so that's how I remember the Ten Commandments, in case any of you ever say, Aaron, if you're a pastor, you should know these things. I'm like, yeah, I know these things, all right? Um, but that was the key of, of Jewish understanding were these Ten Commandments. You shall not break these things. They're very, very important, all right? And, 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 and we, we hold these things still important to this day, right? Except for the Sabbath thing. We don't believe in that one. But the rest of them we like, right? Coveting is okay. Some of the time depends on what it is. Well, well, let's just, we're, we're really good because we don't murder, right? Probably something like that. So there's the Ten Commandments. And then there would be what was called the Torah. And the Torah is the books of the law. And so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, if you are, are doing a kind of a Bible reading through the year plan, um, you're going to get encountering all of these laws of th that are in, especially in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All the things you can do and all the things that you cannot do. I mean, and sometimes it seems ridiculous about what you can do or what you cannot do, the proper way to give a sacrifice, what kind of insects you can eat and which kind of insects you can't eat. That's in the scriptures, just in case you ever wondered. All right, there's all these things that are in there. And so uh, a Pharisee would be like, okay, Ten Commandments, I'm going to do that. Um, and then also the Torah, I'm going to make sure I do everything right, right, so I can be pure. But that wasn't enough because they also wanted to create a system in which you would not unintentionally break the laws. Have you ever done that before, right? You didn't know the speed limit changed unintentionally, right? That's what you told the cops at least. Um, so they wanted to do everything that they could do so that they would not break the Ten Commandments, they would not break the Torah. So they created a thing called the Talmud, all right? And it's this third layer, it's just kind of this fence around the law is one of the ways in which we understand it, in which they would say, okay, we have got to set it up so that we don't accidentally, unintentionally do anything to break God's law. Now, the most notable way that we see this to be experienced with people is through kosher laws. And so when I went to Israel um, last year, and I want to be clear, like, I respect other people's religious practices, and I appreciate their devotion to their religion. But what happened when I was in Israel and we would eat is that in the morning was dairy. So I got to have eggs, I got to have cheese, I got to have this good stuff. But in the evening was meat, and there was no meat and cheese together, all right? That was not the way that it was done, all right? They still practice this to this day. So, like, 
if you like things like a bacon cheeseburger, right? No bacon cheeseburgers in Israel, all right? Because bacon one, that's a whole other thing. Pork's one of those things you shall not eat. Um, but, but the meat and cheese combined ain't going to work out, all right? Pizza, by and large, not a thing. Because you got these meats on these pizzas have to be a meatless pizza, which why would you order a meatless pizza? But that's another thing. <laughs> People are like, I, have, I want a veggie pizza. I'm like, well, why? Um, but the big country for me, that's my favorite. Um, so anyways, but, but the, the Talmud, all right, sorry. Um, the, the Talmud, um, so in, in, our, in our laws, it says you shall not cook a goat in its mother's milk. And so in order to make sure that you didn't accidentally do that, we're going to separate all meat and dairy products as well. You know, the other day I was at a grocery store, all right, and somebody threw some cheese and some yogurt at me. And I said, how dare he? Oh, my gosh. Oh, all right. Some of you will get to it. All right. Now, so... The Pharisees, they spent all this time and all this effort and all this work to set up all these parameters so they wouldn't accidentally do it. And they did it, you all. So one of, our, one of the most famous Pharisees is a guy by the name of Saul, whose name became Paul. He wrote most of our New Testament, actually. And what he said was, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, as to the law, blameless. I did it all right when I was a Pharisee. I had not broken the law. Everything we had set up, I was able to obey perfectly. And this gives us to one of my definitions of purity, all right, is this, successfully not screwing up. Now, this is not the definition that you're going to find in the dictionary, but I think that this is the definition that most of us live with, is that what does it mean to be pure? It means that you are successful, that you did not screw up. And, and sometimes as a church, we, we make this be the thing among all things, is successfully not screwing up. One of my favorite authors, a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, he called it the gospel of sin management that we often proclaim instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in Jesus' day, he was with these people and he was talking to regular folks, but there would have been Pharisees and Sadducees around. Everybody knew this. And so when he said these words, blessed are the pure, then he had these words in heart, for they shall see God, that word purity only could be those Pharisees and those Sadducees because they were the only ones who would have been pure and blameless. But then Jesus made it even worse. In a way that only Jesus can do, that's both like terrible and good at the same time. Because he goes on in Matthew chapter 5 and he says these words, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Other translations say fulfill their purpose. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this had to be terrible news for everybody. Because they're sitting there and in their world, they're like, those people claim to have it all together. They have done everything right. I have not done everything right, and I had to sacrifice a certain amount of doves or pigeons based on the law in order to feel better about myself. And what Jesus is saying is, unless you're better than them, you, that's the only way you get into the kingdom of heaven. It's crazy. And then Jesus goes on and to say, in case you don't understand what I mean, let me tell you exactly what it means. And he says these, he goes through a list of, of things is what he's saying 
how are you stepping up your righteousness? He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Some of you who felt good are like, hey, I didn't kill anybody. Some of you are like, Jesus just told me I killed that person on the way to church. Yes, he did. Right? Because you were angry with somebody. It goes on to say, if you call someone an idiot, and I know none of you have ever done that today, in the last five minutes, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Right? That, that it's not just about what we do. It's not just our outward behavior. It's about our intentions of our hearts. This is a whole different level. Then he goes on. He says, you've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A whole different level of layer of purity. He goes on to say, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. It goes on to say, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them a second mile. If somebody asks for your coat, give them your cloak as well. So we're going to practice this in the hallway afterwards. If you see somebody's coat that you like, just ask them for it. If they don't give it to you, they obviously don't love Jesus. <laughs> right? No, I mean, this is, it's absurd to be able to, to do this. And he goes on to say these words, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what good is that? Even the heathens do that, he goes on to say. I mean, this is so, Jesus just takes it. And I was already feeling bad about myself because I wasn't pure. And then he says, it's not just about your outward behavior. It's about what's going on inwardly. And is this even possible? Because if we think of purity as this notion that we have of perfection, I think you and I are going to fall again and again and again and again. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be pure? Surely, in my experience of Jesus, he did not set us up to fail. I believe in grace. I believe in goodness. And so when we, when we look at the Gospels in context, I think we get a better idea of what purity is. That isn't about just your behavior. The behavior matters. I want to be clear about that. And your heart matters. Because that's really what Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it's about that inward purity that seems to matter most to Jesus, not that outward purity. That's what mattered most to the Pharisees. That's what was highlighted. And we can still do that sometimes here in the modern day church as well. Instead, it's this purity of heart. So how do we understand that? When I understand biblical purity... It's about intention, attention, and absolution. That means like the forgiveness of sins. Intention, attention, and absolution. So what do we mean by intention? One of the ways that I understand what Jesus has to say today, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. He answered another question. One time... The Pharisees got together, an expert of the law tested him with this question, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
How do I have a pure heart? I have a pure intention in my heart to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. It's about an undivided heart. But you and I are naturally divided people. I mean, I know that it is so hard to be in a moment. Even, you know, it it's feels like these, these rare moments in life when, when I, re, I get caught up in something and I don't think about anything else because most of the time I'm thinking about the next thing. I mean, even while I'm up here preaching, you know, like I'm still like, why did that person go out in the hallway? Or, you know, how much time do I have left? And all these other sort of thoughts that, that go in. It's so hard to be on all the time, to have an undivided heart. And instead of being perfect, in all these things, what if we were perfect in our direction of loving God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind? We have so much pretense. We have so much distraction. We have so much division in our own heart and in our own mind. How do we get there? How do we have our intention to be right? And I think it's because we have to pay attention. And we can learn from people who are pure in heart. So when I think about those who are actually pure in heart, I think the kids get it better than anybody else. Because if a kid says, let's play make-believe, they're all in, right? No matter what, whether they're a princess or um, Iron Man or, what, or a football player, like they are purely in that mode. They, have, they don't have any pretense. They, they have no problem pretending that they can do this. They are just squarely in. I am choosing to be this, and I'm not worried about another thing. You and I, we have so much to worry about, right? There's so many things you're even worried about today. You're just, your, your mind is, is going right now to all the worried stuff. And, and here, ask a kid to play, and they'll say, yeah, let's play. And they're not worried about the next thing they're in. And this is what Jesus said. I think it's Matthew 18. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. I think it's about their purity of heart and, and this direction that they live. I think about also our, our embrace friends and our special needs uh, friends, that, that they have a purity of, of heart, that they are who they are, and they're, they're in the moment, and they're, 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 they're full on who they are, and they're a gift to us. Not, we are not just a gift to them. But they are a gift to us to remind us of living in the moment of life and of joy and of satisfaction. And that's one of the reasons why I just feel passionate about our embrace ministry. Is because maybe if you want a pure heart, the secret is to be around the pure hearted. If you're struggling with a pure heart, maybe it's because you're not around people who are pure hearted naturally. So we need you to be around our kids. Boy, do we have opportunities for you to help out with our children's ministry. They need you, but you also might need them. And I think about our embrace ministry as well. Maybe the best gift you can give yourself and somebody else is to just go serve on that Saturday, uh, the first Saturday in March, when we have our respite care and our sib shop, just to be around the pure hearted. And you might just see God. I mean, that is really what we want, right? Because one of the things we know in life is that you, you, you see what you are looking for. 
Now, this can be a dangerous thing, of course, because there's this thing called confirmation bias, right? Where, where, we, where we only see the evidence that, that proves our, our theories and proves the things that we want to be true. We all do this. It's a natural thing. Um, and so we have to be wary of that. But here is a different story because I believe that when you seek God, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. This is a promise of scripture and in the way in which we live our lives. That if you're looking for God, you will see him. I mean, this has been my experience when I was in, uh, when I was in student ministries, we went to youth force and we used to have these big God signing banners where we'd write down where we saw gods and they, they would tell us, all right, look for God and you will find him. I mean, that's why we are practicing the art of gratitude as a church in 2023. It's a year of gratitude because we believe that we have to train ourselves to look for the good, to train ourselves to look at God moving. And when we do so, we will find it in a little bit. We're going to um, have communion and we have our, some of our gratitude journal and gratitude thank you cards that, that you can come. And this is our way of practicing and instilling that discipline of intentional attention. And so our gratitude journals are designed to find a couple of things you're grateful for. Where did you see God moving? All right, and our cards are just a reminder that there are, God's at work and that we should see it and we should look at it and we should name it. We should notice and name good. We need to give our attention to it. And when we do that, we become it's part of the purifying process. Because it's not always about the right thing. It's about the right heart. I, I, I came across this poem by Thomas Merton, and he was a contemplative Christian, which meant he went and sat in silence and God spoke to him. That's weird to me, but that's what he did. And I just love this prayer that he has. He says, I have no idea where I'm going. Amen to that sometimes, right? I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. I believe that the desire to please you, to have this pure heart of doing what is right by God, is a pleasing thing to him. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. And I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may, not, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. This is about intention and attention to our God who loves us. Who wants us? And so can we turn our direction? Can we, can we find a way to have a pure direction towards God? It takes discipline. It takes practice. But we'll get there. But more than that, we don't get to make ourselves pure. You see, we can't choose purity. But we can be made pure by the one we do choose. Because he's the only one who is. Because really what, what happens is, is that you and I, we cannot make ourselves pure. We can't do enough. Sometimes we feel like we have to do enough. That once we do enough, that then we'll be good enough for God. But that's not how it works. In fact, the way God works is really, really weird. And it doesn't make any sense based on what I learned from every sitcom that I've ever watched in my life. Because every sitcom that I've ever watched in my life has this episode at some point in time that happens, right? Somebody is washing their whites. Somehow... Something red gets in there. 
And that means that all the clothes turn pink. You've seen this, right? White plus a little bit of red equals pink. But did you notice that first song that we sang? Some of, some of you weren't here for the first song, so let me remind you of the first song. Sorry, the Lord knows you. I'm just glad you're here. I don't care when you come. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's another song that said, My sin had left a crimson stain. So this is the, so sitcom, white plus red equals pink. Jesus, red, my sin had left a crimson stain. Plus red, the blood, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb, equals white. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Red plus red should never equal white. But in this case, it does. That's what that absolution, what the forgiveness of sins means. And so what we believe as people of faith is we use this, this big word called justification, that we are made right with God. And, and this word justifying, it's just as if I've never sinned. It's not just, oh, you did those bad things, but, but they are, uh, it's okay, no, 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 it's as, just as if I've never sinned, that I can walk in white and pure, because red plus red equals white. And this is what it means to follow Jesus, is that his sin, my sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow, and he can make you pure. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.